Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the sexiest city between Omaha and Salt Lake. This week on the Diatribe, we're talking sex and pornography in the Mile High City, a look at the adult performance industry here in Denver, sex addiction and a, in a high-profile Muslim family, and the latest dirty deeds involving Colorado's U.S. Representative Doug Lamborn. I'm Vanessa Martinez, and here with me in the Five Points Media Center studio are my co-host Josh Johnson. Good morning, Josh. How's it going? Our man behind the glass, Julian Mondragon. Good morning, Julian. Buenos dias. And our special guest, Denver-based porn star, Sabina Lee. Hello. Thank you for being here with us, Sabina. Of course. So just a quick disclaimer for anybody who might be listening to us listening to us live right now. Um, if you haven't already figured it out, we are going to be talking about some topics that may not be safe for the workplace and that you may not want to be discussing with uh, children if they're in your vicinity. So warning, please don't call us yelling and saying that we did not warn you. Um, so yeah, it's good to be back in the studio. I feel like I always go like weeks and then and missing. Like I haven't been here again since the beginning. It's been like a month. Yeah, you leave us longing. I, I guess is what you're doing. Oh, is that is that yeah. what's happening? Well, we miss you. Oh, well, I miss you guys too. Yeah, um, the fickle wench. <laughs> fickle wench. I think is is actually she is going to have to to die. I just can't. I can't keep up with her. You're done. I can't maintain her. Yeah, guy incognito has already. I mean, he's already pretty much claimed her declared her dead and i found a great image to use for uh, the dead fickle wench yes uh, i'll surprise how does she die this way. It's, um it's a, a surprise story. it's a surprise i can't tell you that you'll have to follow it on twitter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a few newsy topics to talk about this week but i want to jump in um and and talk to sabina i want to talk to you about uh just give the audience an introduction to you and me too because uh josh is the one who introduced us and brought you here and and I don't, uh, I don't know a whole lot about what you do, but I'm very curious. And um, I'm interested in your story after reading your website. So can you start by just talking to us about okay, how I'll you got into Okay, I'll just for a minute. Okay, um, so <laughs> I've been in the um, adult industry for about 11 years now. And I started actually when I was in college um, working for porn stores, doing sales and education. And I was a buyer at one point for the largest porn store chain in the country and would teach at different college conventions and porn conventions and things. Things like that. Then about seven years ago, I started also um, performing in porn, and so I am in the all-natural large boob market, um, and I've been doing that for about seven years now. And at this point, I'm really trying to move into directing and producing my own porn. Um, actually, when I was in college, I did my senior thesis on feminist porn, and that's been sort of my baby project ever since then, and I've been very slowly working on it. But as a performer, I work in in many different fields. It's not all feminist-y if you go and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Google my name or something. It's not going to be all feminist stuff, but that is what I work on as a producer. 
Well, I, I think this is interesting. So I've been talking to you know talking to people about I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a porn star on the show. This <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so fun. People get really excited. They I'm not do. really. I'm not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plan any special tricks for this <laughs> interview. <laughs> right. It's not Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll save that for next time. We'll that's bring right. it back and do, and do some. Yeah, later. yeah. There's some great <laughs> stuff on my website. That's uh, Sabina-Lee.com. Um, if you want to check out some of my antics on stage and on other shows. So. Well, one of the things that... Adults I, only. Adults only. <laughs> one of the things that I uh, kept getting into with people is I, I didn't realize, and, and I don't know that I even know how to explain it. So let's talk about what is feminist porn. Well, um, there are some criteria for kind of the standard of what makes it feminist porn. And usually I refer people to a website based out of Canada for the Feminist Porn Awards because they break it down really easy, like 101 for you. And generally those things are like um, in scenes you want to really be depicting real orgasms instead of fake orgasms. There's usually a woman um, as director or producer in some organizational role. Um, it's usually, too, it can be like uh, opening up new ideas of sexuality in some way that porn really hasn't done before. So those are some things that can make it a feminist production. I specifically work in what I have called existential feminist porn. And to sum that up easily is what I do is I evoke a subject as opposed to creating an object. So I'm really trying to express the performer's sense of sexuality on camera in a way that's very comfortable for them and and is showing part of who they are and is not just a contrived performance. Hmm, Very interesting. Um, So how did you get, are you you from Denver? I'm not. I'm originally from St. Louis and uh, went to college in Iowa and then I've been in Colorado seven years, Denver for two of those. Okay. And so, you know, one of the things, obviously, that we want to know about is because we are all about Denver is what the scene, quote unquote, is like around here. We have a real funny scene here. We actually have probably one of the worst scenes (laughs) in the country. For porn, you mean? For porn. For porn. For porn. Not for tacos. Yeah, we have great tacos, <laughs> great podcasts, things like that. But <laughs> but less people doing it on camera. Right, less people doing it on camera. And there are plenty of sort of individuals in this town working on things, but we really don't have a very cohesive scene or even a very sturdy company based here to shoot different porn projects and whatnot. People kind of doing random little things, but... And you want to change that? I do. I'm kind of working on... It's a new project that I'm working on, so I don't want to, like, give away too much of, like, the details. We're still working out a lot of stuff, um, like the company name, things like that. But we are building a production company here right now to kind of supply those needs to the the poor needs of the community. (laughs) 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 This high demand (laughs) for porn production here. No, there actually is a demand. We have a lot of great people here, um, acute people, performers, things like that, that uh, companies want to shoot, but there aren't really, there's not the infrastructure here to shoot them. So we have things that need to be done here. We do have a need for it. Right. But. So that that's one of the common uh, complaints that you hear from, from filmmakers in general, right? Is that And that's some of the things that I think the legislature has been trying to address with, well, and they did this year uh, with passing the film taxes to create the infrastructure of, you know, the, stu- the provide the 
equipment providers that stay open until four o'clock in the morning. So if you're shooting somewhere, like you have a place to go because that's what everybody always complains about when they come to Colorado. So in that sense, it's a lot the same. It's just the same thing. But do you think? Um, do you think one of the? I mean, are there other? Uh, are there other aspects of of Denver's? Uh, Denver's little mini industry here that um, might be keeping it small. Do you think that we have more conservative roots underneath all of this that make us that make because you know the state when you look at it politically? I don't honestly. I don't think that not in comparison to a lot of other cities. I mean, Ohio is easier to shoot in. You know, like they, <laughs> I think we just for some reason cannot get our shit together. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what? But what are the performers? So there, there are plenty. There are enough performers here. There are performers here. Um, there are definitely some that kind of come in and out of town and will keep a place here, but they don't live here full time like I do. Um, and I just met. I kind of was thinking, like, if you'd asked me this yesterday, I'm like, there's no one here that does anything. But I just met someone yesterday who is a producer here in town and has been making stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I'm glad I didn't come on and like speak about it but there are some people working on some projects here just not in a very large context mm-hmm. so what are the uh, what are some of the things that you can you talk about without getting into too much detail like can you give us maybe some examples of the types of existentialist porn like I mean I think you did a good job of describing that but what does that look like I can't really <laughs> tell you exactly what that's going to look like because each one is going to be very different and as I um, as talking to Josh about this the other day, but I, I feel like I'm more of a catalyst than I am a director and that I do have the background in how to shoot, I have equipment, I have all that, but I really want to take those individuals and say, what what do you want to do? You know, what is your fantasy? What is your fetish? How do you want this to look? So for me, the end product is going to be very, very different depending on who I'm working with and what it is that they want to do. But I do think that what they will all have in common is that you will be able to read on camera that that sense of realism and that they are really enjoying themselves and not putting on a performance so much. And that's the feminist element. That's the feminist element. So that's really the only thing I can say they'll have in common. But how they look will all be different. I mean, some might be very soft and lovey and the nice cameras and some might be really hardcore stuff that they want to explore. And it's not non-feminist to explore that in any way as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. so that's interesting one of the other conversations that I had recently was where do we go with porn anymore like really yeah. like, are we desensitized have we have we done everything so you're kind of addressing that I don't think model. we've done everything I think we've like had all of the kind of like particular acts and things like that and upside down and every which way you can think to do it but <laughs> I don't think we've shot it. I don't think we've even tapped into the capabilities of what we can do and the different ways that we can shoot it and what we can evoke emotionally and physically from the audience. I think we've really just scratched the surface. I think there's a lot of places to go. Right, because it, as, as you were, I, I talked to you the other day, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Josh but, and I are buddies now. <laughs> yeah, but but um, so much of, of, of what you do as a, as a performer in porn is repetitive. It's you know, I mean, they expect the same performance from you over and over. Mm-hmm. It's not like other sorts of acting where you know you take on different characters and you use different material. Exactly, and, and there's and you uh, and it gets kind of boring as a performer because right. of that. So there is there is given that that every 
everything that's shot is the same thing over and over again. There's mm-hmm. room room to explore different characters. And I different think so, absolutely. I just want to get my get in there and get my hands on like actually directing some new ideas and stuff, and not having to do the same uh, uh, scenes over and over again. Right. <laughs> So who do you usually uh, like when you're when you go and do? Is, are there certain companies that you prefer to work with for, or do you? I mean, well, how, there are how certain companies. Work, I mean, some of the more place. professional companies out there, they don't necessarily have like a feminist product, but they're just great to like work with. They're very professional. They pay well. I mean, one that I always work with is Score. Um, and like Bang Bros and Bang Bros is surprisingly one of the better companies out there as far as working with the talent. Uh, even though on camera they put women into these very, you know, misogynist situations. They're the ones where they're the ones where they're like in a van and they're yeah, dri- like the driving van. around <laughs> and they see the random girl on the street and they're like, "Hey, do you want some ice cream?" <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then you know, the girl's like, of course I do. And I will get in the van with the cameras and that guy with the big heart on. That doesn't look suspicious at all. <laughs> what kills me? Here's a story about some Denver pornographers. I say that in quotes. You can, you can hear that those quotes on the radio. Um, it, I've showed up to some and they're like, oh, man, I'm not there. I'm at Home Depot. The male talent didn't show up. So I've got to, I've got to, I'm looking for male talent at Home Depot. I'm like, like, did you learn how to make porn from watching bad amateur porn? Like, this is not the way it works. <laughs> so that's just an example of some of the, the Denver <laughs> pornography scene. Wow. And then I have to throw a diva fit. Well, you know, if you need your lawn mowed, you go to Home Depot at 7 a.m. Yeah. yeah, if you've got a girl that needs to be done on video... Maybe you go to Home Depot too. Professional porn does out. not work that way, much to people's amazement. <laughs> uh, well, tell us a little bit about how it does work. I mean, really, like, what is that? I, I think I'm pretty fascinated by it. I think most people are, like, regardless of whether people admit to watching porn or participating in it or anything. I think that uh, deep underneath people, everybody wants to except know. except Rick Santorum. This. If you're not Rick Santorum, oh, he wants to know. Then, yeah, which who probably watches it? But I think that porn is consumed by everybody. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. Absolutely. Um, so you, what are you at? Like, how does it work? I mean, yeah, well, you just said like no, no, no. <laughs> well, obviously, wow. obviously not through Home Depot. But um, I, I guess a better question would be a better way to go through it because you don't only do film. Um, and I think that's pretty typical of adult performers. I do so many different things, and most of the girls I know do so many different things, too, and they'll do different types of things. Um, I don't particularly do escorting or stripping. That's just a personal choice of my own, but I pretty much work in nearly every other area. And, um, you know, at this point, I'm sort of a one-woman porno band, and I do the performance. I shoot myself at the same time. I do the editing. I distribute it and then make all the cash straight out from it, you know, which I like to do because I want all the money. (laughs) Um, But... In a different context, in a professional context, if I'm working for, you know, a different company, I mean, it's basically like acting and probably even less shady off camera than the acting, you know, industry is, the actual film industry, because everything that happens or that I've seen anyway, you know, sexual happens on camera. And as soon as that camera, like, 
turns off, you're like, okay, I gotta check my phone. I <laughs> I gotta call my girlfriend. Like it's like you're in a scene and you just break and you're done. And then they're like, okay, back at it. And the camera comes on and you just pull that character right back on again. So it's so much more of a performance than it is an actual sexual encounter mm-hmm. by far. Mm-hmm. Which, on the one hand, is very professional, um, but then on the other, it sort of dilutes the end product because it's not a sexual um, encounter, usually. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to take just a a quick break here to um, thank our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Free Speech TV. On television, the internet, and radio, Free Speech TV inspires viewers to become civically engaged to build a more just, equitable, and sustainable society. For more information, visit freespeech.org. So, um, before we go back to talking to you more about, because I have more questions, I think Josh does too, um, uh, about what what your your work here in, in Denver, I, I do want to bring up some of our news items from this week. And I think probably the one that's making... Uh, that I picked that's making the most um, waves right now is uh, the, that Miguel Ali Hassan, who is the son of a very prominent uh, Muslim family here in Colorado, and he was also a political can- candidate back in 2008 running for the state house, came out this week saying that he is in recovery from sex addiction. Wrote uh, like something like 3,500 word uh, blog posts, uh, getting into lots of detail about his recovery, not sexual detail necessarily. I don't think there was very much of that at all. Uh, but just what the recovery was like and thanking all of these people. I mean, it, it's, it goes on and on and on. Uh, but the reaction to it has been um, Patricia Calhoun, Westward editor, wrote a blog post about it. Uh, Westward wrote a big feature about him uh, in 2008 when he was running. And um, it wasn't the... Um, the portrayal of him wasn't wasn't wonderful. He was portrayed as a uh, womanizer. Um, I know the writer. I trust her writing. So I I, I uh, and I trust Westward's uh, reporting, obviously, um, as a womanizer, um, a guy who just really is uh, perhaps an opportunist will really take kind of any opportunity to uh, if, he, if he doesn't feel like he's got enough limelight on him, maybe you know he's got to find the next thing that's going to yeah, happen right. to you know to a public to get confessional that. will do that e- exactly. So and and then his mother came out who he thanks at length in the in the blog post uh, and said defriend my son uh, on Facebook and you know he had talked in the post about how supportive she had been and no longer is now um, according to the Colorado Observer yeah when you lose your mom support. She said said he went Hollywood. He moved to Hollywood and and he has and he's been a filmmaker for a long time but he Mm. actually moved there and and she thinks he's gotten too far away from his his family values. But I think it's interesting that uh, the the kind of the little uh, squibble that he got into with Patty Calhoun was over um, whether or not admitting sex addiction is a, is scandalous for your resume. Um, and I think there's even before that sex addiction being right now such a it's like it's almost trendy, but I think there are a lot of people who don't you know, believe it. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, 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 I don't want to deny that there's the possibility of, of having a sex addiction, but unlike other addictions where it's like, you know, you can it's manifested in you know snorting and horking and doing all things like that. I think that it can often be a a, a sympathetic plea and, a, and an excuse for just basically poor behavior. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's I I, I, I mean 
I think that it can be. I don't really want to speak on this particular issue or this particular guy and what his sure. motivations are because it does kind of sound like a publicity stunt. But I do believe that you can have like por- um, porn addiction and sex addiction um, can be as bad as any other addiction sure. and sometimes harder to avoid and stay away from because we're walking around with the tools to indulge in it at, at every moment. Right. You know, as opposed to something where you can just stay away from the heroin addicts or something like right. that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that it, that it's it's a real thing, porn and sex addiction. I'm just saying that I think that it's exploited. I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? I, th- I think that people, if they, like, when you see public figures that cheat on their it wives. it sounds like this guy's exploiting it himself. Exactly. So like, right. Which so, I don't, you know, if you're going to exploit your own self, it, and, and that's what I do every day. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he just needs to get into porn. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I, I, see, let's see, just get him a new sex, job. Let's sex get him addiction is, All right. Yeah, sex addiction isn't an addiction until it ruins your life. You know what I mean? Like. Like if you're if you're having lots of sex and you're loving the hell out of it, it's fine and, until it ruins your life, and then you say, "I guess I'm addicted," right? I mean, it's I, I mean, who cares? Like what? You're, what's that? So you're like I mean, that's kind of like blowing an, all an your addiction. Money on that's hookers. what makes like, like an addiction in the first place, though. I mean, everyone is, can go out is. and have a couple of drinks, but then it's like, how is it affecting your life? And then you're like, "I'm an alcoholic," right? right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's the same as really any you're right, other addiction. You're right. You're right. I just think I think that there's a, there is a very real addiction as you described, but I think that it's often exploited for behavior it's it, you know it's like mm-hmm. public official or public figure cheats on their spouse uh the public finds out it's a scandal what do you do you, you instead of coming out and saying like i'm a bastard i'm i fucked up yeah i fucked up you say <laughs> i have a problem please be sympathetic of me i'm trying to get help do you think you we know? see more people with sex addiction in um places of power because it might lead to that sex addiction. Like, David, know? I think of the two, I think of the uh, people that have come out and gotten treatment for sex addiction. David Duchovny. Right, right. And um, Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler actually went to rehab for six months or something for sex addiction. And it was because it was ruining his marriage. But he's a rock star. <laughs> you know, like, if you marry a Dude, rock I star. I met him years ago when... Like, I don't know. I met him at an after party, and I, I just shook his head and said, or his head, his hand and said hi. You shook his lips? But there were, like, dude, he's really short, too. He's, like, way tiny. I felt like a giant standing next to him. I'm like, hello. Um, but he had, like, this fucking group of, like, 17-year-old girls. They were, like, 15 of them or something, just following him from room to room, giving him BJs. Really? <laughs> yes. How many BJs can a guy do? I don't know. And like, how many girls do you need to like do that <laughs> for <laughs> you? <laughs> Let me just pick one right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the whim. Um, no, I think this is interesting. Like the idea of, um, I, I also think it's weird. It's, it, it's interesting. It's not like a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction where, I think people are more like, you know, they're they're less likely to be able to because there are people who just don't touch alcohol or drugs in that way. Right. But everybody has sex, essentially. Yeah, right. Not everybody, but you know. It's most not something people. you can quit. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. something that you need to, you know, you get a handle on. You still have to on. do it. You, you still, still have to have sex in your life, even if you, you know, you can't cut yourself off entirely from it. It's like food addiction in that way, maybe. is important for functioning as a human being. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's like, like a food, food addiction. You know, yeah. you can't quit food. Right. It's like, but you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. This guy. This guy definitely sounds like one of the ones that's exploiting it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, I think I think. And he wasn't detailed about like what its costs were. I mean, because there's you know, I, I I think sex addicts probably end up like frequently. Uh, Doctor uh, Drew. <laughs> yeah, but es- like that. escorts, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm broke. I'm broke because I had two escorts in one night, you know, and I couldn't help myself. Sure. Right. That, that kind of thing. I, sure. I actually I have like clients. Um, I, like I said, I don't escort or whatever, but they pay to meet me or talk to me on the phone or something like that. And sometimes I have to get to the point where I cut them off because they're like. I'm in so much debt, and you just can't even like well, you, you can't keep spending like money to meet me at the mall. Like, <laughs> oh, that's sad. That makes so me I, sad. I'm a it little bit a of a responsible person, and that I'm like, okay, this is really detrimental to your life. I can't keep aiding in this and taking your money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think money. I mean, uh, the Hassan family is uh, is very wealthy, so maybe he just hasn't tapped his. His reserves yet? I, I'm not sure, but mm. uh, we'll see. I th- I'm sure there'll be a lot more to be said. About I feel this. like he's gonna have a movie come out. This is like like leading up to this movie that is gonna be have something to do. Maybe with you can do. Maybe addiction. you can do the porn parody version. Yes. Of it. <laughs> can we shoot it in my living room? Might have to rent a hotel room for that. It needs a little more upscale. <laughs> we need we need some studios here in Denver to actually shoot things. And if anyone out there is listening, we need. Studio space. Well, we also and need male talent. We need male talent. I was just going to bring that up. Okay, so let's talk about that. What's what's up with what's up with the male talent? Male <laughs> talent, <laughs> really? Okay, male talent is just so hard to find. Like I swear to God, there are a lot of companies that shoot out of Jersey, and they have like two guys or something. All the companies share those guys, and they like shoot. Like they wake up and do like three scenes in a day or something, and just go from company to company. It's a very hard job to do. It's a difficult job. I don't. <laughs> and um, and most people can't. I mean, as soon as they get on camera with lights and crew around them, their penises just do not respond the way that they think they will. So I admit it's one of the hardest things to do. But I still have yet to find any, like, reliable male talent here in Denver. And that's probably one of my biggest holdups in actually shooting things here. I've really only been able to do softcore and girl-girl stuff and solo stuff because I can't find reliable male talent. So, anyone out there? (laughs) And I mean, you need to have been on camera before. Not just think that you can do it, but you need to have been on camera before and have, like, finished. You don't want to recruit? You're not going to, like, you're really going to shoot everybody down? That's not... I mean, what if the best so, male have, performer okay, in the world out there has like, never been on camera except just, for his if phone? If they don't have, and this is when I, I hate to give this away, this is one of my best business ideas: is charging people like having a school for oh, males yeah. who want to do porn. I think this would make the most money in the porn industry, <laughs> um, where they can like do a little class and then shoot a scene and see if they can be on camera. You or need not. to do this now. I like, need to do, do, this, do this now. In Denver, start the male I performer need, yeah, school. I wanted to talk to a lawyer first to find out like legal issues with that. Is this legal? What's Can the I legal even issue? do this? Yeah, you take their money and that's that. I mean, <laughs> it's what are you guaranteeing? Are you guaranteeing they've got a job? No, 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 you're no, no. I'm giving them their video. If they suck in the video, they suck in their video. If they're good in their video, they can like use that then as an audition video for other companies they want to get work with. It's just but like they any pay agency. regardless because if I'm like okay you think you can do it I'll have you come over it's a huge waste of everyone's time and money you know everyone who's there to shoot it if the guy can't perform right so we need something to like let us know 
there's a good chance. Because I'm saying 99.9% of the men cannot do it. So there's a pretty big chance that they're going to waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. What if they have, like, home videos? Well, um, that can give me some indication, and I might, like, do an audition for them based on something like that. But it is a very different experience than setting up the camera on their own and shooting it at home as opposed to having a bunch of weird dudes there holding lights and boom mics <laughs> that are, like, sweaty and scratching their ass and staring at you because they want to go home, you know. So it's a very different thing. I'd lose my erection based on what you just described. <laughs> He lost his erection with just me describing it. (laughs) But if there are any Dirk Diggler's out there. Right. Uh, you really want to hear from them? I absolutely do. Absolutely. And you can get in touch with Sabina. We will put her information as always in our, as we always do with our guests, in our blog post at DenverDiatribe.com. And we'd also like to hear what you think about these things um, direct into our our own inbox and uh, our voicemail. So send us an email at info at denverdiatribe.com or leave us a voice message at 720-282-YELL. That's Y-E-L-L. Um, yeah, we really, it would be great if we could find you some talent. I know, talent. find me some talent. Talent scouting. <laughs> Um, we'll definitely have to have you back on to talk about how that goes. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, yeah we should have a follow-up. Because I'm curious. I know. Uh, Me too. <laughs> I, you know, I'm gonna, I want to ask, um, <clears throat> and this is, you know, we talked about this the other day, so it's kind of a, it's not, it's not, anyway. But you didn't talk about it with us. You, uh, you end up, <laughs> part of, part of what, wh- you end up, you say that you end up being like a, a counselor, like, like the, oh, the okay. people on the plane, like there's, when people, when you meet like people on the plane and you're sitting there and, you know, you're shooting the shit and, and they ask what you do and you say... You, there's the uh-huh. people get confused. Well, yeah, we kind of talked about this in terms of um, uh, Foucaultian theories of confession, right? And and people, especially in the West, are just dying. Sex to is a confession, and they want to confess their sexual secrets. So, yeah, um, as soon as I tell people, usually what I do, I get I just. People are, are like, really? And they just are dying to tell me everything about them. A lot of times it's really boring to me because I've heard the same <laughs> stuff over and over. But yeah, I think I was telling Josh about, you know, like I'll be on an airplane with a couple or something and I'll be sitting next to the guy and we talk and we figure out what I do. And the wife is maybe sleeping next to him. And eventually he's like, yeah, just so you know, yeah, I go to those gay places and have sex with men through holes too. But she doesn't <laughs> know. And she's like sleeping next to him. <laughs> like, they are just dying. And that's actually, I mean, it's fun for me, but it's also, now that I've been in the industry 11 years, it's also just, like, a lot for me to take on. So there are certain things I, I do. To well, you charge like, people for this. Oh, okay, I definitely charge people. <laughs> so I definitely charge people, but if people aren't going to pay and I'm just not in the mood, I'm tired, I, you know, I just make up some other thing that I do or try and cut it off or act really boring so people, like, I just can't be, you know, it's sort of like, you know, those um, scenes in movies where someone can start to hear everyone's thoughts and then they hear like everyone's yeah right wait there's an episode of Buffy like this this is what (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer um so it's kind of like that like I start to hear everyone's you know sexual things and I'm like I just want to be alone and have my own thing (laughs) yeah do you ever so so you do have to be you're a little bit are you you're cautious about who you tell well I tell most people um 
if they ask if it comes up, I mean, I don't walk around being like, hello, I do porn. <laughs> I you usually don't? wait till it comes up. <laughs> and then Vanessa, if she was a porn star, of, she And would, then I'll be vague about it at yeah. first. <laughs> but if people keep asking, I, I let them know. But, yeah, t- you know, I can make it just sound more boring sometimes. I'm like... I don't know. <laughs> just not interested. <laughs> just uh, yeah. Um, Josh, did you have another question? I've got. I mean, I've got a million. Well, I just saw you pausing. I don't want to go into the because uh, I'm looking at the time, but we're good. So yeah, we're go we're ahead. Fine. Um, so f- fluffers, real or fake? They don't really have. They don't have fluffers anymore. No more fluffers. Right. Um, uh-huh. Kind of the fluffy job, if one is needed, is kind of on is the responsibility of the female performer, but only to a certain extent. Like, we can be like, no, I'm not fluffing you. You need to go take care of yourself. And that's fine. You can say that. It depends on how you want to, like, quickly, if you want to get the scene done. You're like, I really want to, like, hurry up and shoot this so I can go back to my hotel room and watch American Idol. (laughs) Then you're going to, like, get in there and, like, try and get the job done faster. Just kind of depends. Also, some male performers are a lot nicer. You build a rapport with them right away, and you're like, "Sure, I'll, I'll do that for you." <laughs> and then others are kind of dicks, and you're like, "Take care of yourself." But they do. They're not supposed to. It's against the law, I believe, for them to use any kind of um, pills. Oh. But they still oh. do. Um, right. Some of them, not all of them, but they still do. But you have to be very careful with those because if you take too much of something like Viagra, then you can't get the money shot. And I've been on um, sets before where, like, the guy was trying to get the money shot for, like, 10 hours and had Jesus. basically rubbed <laughs> his dick raw and was bleeding and oh. then never got the... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm dying right You guys now. wanted to hear the stories. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> and he never got the money shot. And um, Does he get paid? Get no, yeah. that was the part. They like they just made him go home with his bleeding dick. And then the producer ripped up his check right in front of me. And the check, oh. even the initial check, had he done his job correctly, was about an eighth of what I got paid for the scene. <laughs> but he didn't even get that. Oh. You're never going to oh. get guys. I feel, like <laughs> I feel like that's happening. No wonder they don't come happen out. happened to me Metaphorically, <laughs> like privately and metaphorically, I've, I've experienced that. I can relate. <laughs> wow. <laughs> do you want to tell your story, Josh? Yeah. I, I want to she confess. Ripped up your check? I want to confess. The funny thing is, is that like I, I, I met you for uh, beverages earlier to sort of pre pre interview for this. And you do. I mean, you immediately want to start confessing. You know? <laughs> he knows firsthand. Like, like, <laughs> like, and he did. My and he just so did. <laughs> of course. But what you don't know, what you don't know about me, Sabina, is that I do that anyway. Okay. You don't have to it be a star. It does. You, but you might have gotten something more than well, usual. I, I will never know. I'll yeah. never. We'll have to compare notes, and then we'll see. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think right. I count anymore. I've known Josh for so long. I don't get the. No, yeah, you get the porn star treat. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazing. The verbal that. diarrhea of all his feelings. <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, and one of the cried. The, one, one, of, one of the questions is, you know, for all people in the in the sex industry, is that it's it's there's an expiration date, right? As a performer. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, mean, I think I passed mine already. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you're you're dovetailing this into becoming a, a producer, and, mm-hmm. and you're in a town, yeah, you're in a town where there's lots of opportunity for that. 
um, because it's not crowded. But um, other people, um, how how do they how do they make a long term career out of out of this? Well, a lot of people, I mean, do what I do. I mean, girls, there are a lot of ladies that after their modeling career is over, they're going to get into maybe being an agent or an assistant producer with a company or something like that. I mean, other uh, plenty of people just stop doing it. Right, right. That's kind of the most common is right. they just stop and they have kids. Exit the and industry. They yeah. exit the industry. Other people who have been in it for a long time, and that's kind of like what they know, they're going to stay in the industry and work in some kind of um, – yeah, production right. capacity. A lot of time agents, they a lot of time start running girls and so kind right. of just like a high-end madam. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's something that'll happen. I, of course, want to get into producing and, um, you know, like Belladonna, Jenna, Jameson, all these people have gotten have done that with their careers. Right. Um, and you you at one point were trying fr- from a grassroots level to start a union. I did. I tried to do that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it failed. <laughs> well, unions aren't very popular in general right now, so I would imagine no. something in the yeah. film industry would it, be even and more. And it wasn't even, I didn't necessarily have it set up as a union. It was really just a private online forum where we could discuss how we were treated by companies or give each other advice on how to build our own businesses and things. Things like that, and I had kind of hoped that it would turn into a union, but I did run into so many of the same issues that um, you know I studied in my feminist studies about the second wave of feminism and women trying to come up in the world of business and things like that. And there's this attitude there was then, and that in general business, and now and for women in porn, where we're like. I made it to the top. I went through all that, the ups and downs, and you need to figure out how to do that on your own instead of helping a fellow out, you know. But I think that that's what the companies play on is that division that they kind of create as companies between the models and put us in competition with one another. So we don't necessarily always want to help. Huh? It drives down rates if you create competition. It, uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely, and they can really take advantage of us so much more, which is why we needed the union. But um, I, it just didn't take off. I'd love to do it again when I have more time and more money to put into it. Maybe after I get some of my productions going, right. because I'm just not at a place in my career where I can take that time to focus in, on that as much as I should. Because I need to make my own money right. <laughs> and yeah. get my own businesses going right now. Well, and there's um, uh, Josh had mentioned this to me, and it made me think of. And I know you guys talked about it. Live nude, live nude girls unite, which is the. Um, a documentary about the San Francisco, or well, it started in San Francisco. I don't know if they well, it became like a uh, nationwide union or not, but they were stage performers, right? Mostly strippers and all women, I think. Were they all women? What what venue is this, Lusty Lady? I don't know what venue they're about. based out of. I know that it's there is the documentary Vanessa is referring to that I watched so long ago that yeah. I don't immediately recall it, but it was. Um, I think that it actually extended to sex workers as well. I think it was it's a San Francisco-based union for um, sex, uh-huh. sex workers being, you know, anywhere from escorts to strippers to uh, whomever. And yeah. so I presume that there would allow men into it. But it has had a, a certain um, effectiveness in, in the, the collective bargaining, mm-hmm. you know, as it pertains to any industry. And I did but use... 
there are a couple others. I'm not sure if it's the same one, but I, there are ones that are set up like that specifically for strippers and specifically for escorts and generally for people in the sex industry. And I, I did work with a number of those and, and take a look at them and talk to the people who run them before I started right. my own because I just felt like those weren't addressing the particular needs of what we deal with in the porn industry, which is going to be more like copyright contracts. Right. Um, safety. Safety on sets and things like that. But it, they're just a little bit different needs than what um, strippers and escorts need. And I, I didn't feel like there was any site that really particularly catered to what we needed as sure. porn stars. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I want to get into one more newsy topic before uh, we go too much longer. And that was, uh, it's something that also happened this week, uh, an environmental activist by the name of Maria Gunno, who is um, very well... Um, uh, she's she's won lots of awards. She won what they call the Green Nobel for her activism um, against mountaintop mining in Appalachia, which of course is uh, big coal, as 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 we refer to it uh, uh, more widely. But um, she went to the United States House of Representatives to testify. She was asked to testify on on the Natural Resources Committee hearing uh, this week. That. Uh, the committee is run by our own Colorado representative, uh, Doug Lamborn. He is based in Colorado Springs, of course. He's our most conservative uh, legislator. And he had his staff uh, – Lamborn, of course, claims that he, he didn't have anything to do with this. But his staff uh, turned her over to the police, essentially, for – and accused her of child pornography for a photo that was used in her testimony of a five-year-old girl in the bathtub, um, and she was bathing in the water that actually comes from the taps in Western Appalachia, which is orange and disgusting and toxic. And um, it was a very powerful image. Uh, of course, you know, Lamborn using this as child pornography, uh, ch- as a child pornography charge, is it, it just it, it's mind boggling. At the same time, it kind of shows the effectiveness of using pornography against somebody because we still have this puritanical. Uh, Child pornography is different, though. I, totally I'm gonna is. kind of just yeah. I'm gonna. I feel like I I kind of am gonna play the devil's advocate here. I did take a look at the photo and like looking at the photo itself. I am glad that they double checked that it wasn't a violation of child pornography. Looking at the photo, it does have elements of child pornography in it, and I am very strong about. Uh, the laws being as in fact I think they should be stricter than they are on underage people and the age limit of which you can get into pornography honestly and so I I think he was using it incorrectly he was obviously trying to get uh, her testimony kicked out and they not use it but I do agree with them looking into and investigating that the child was safe Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, there's the element of, you know, no, no one's mentioned, is, is is it child abuse to put the child in this toxic water? I was you thinking know? that, I too. I mean, you're, you're exploiting the poor little kid. I and mean, nothing that they bothers drink, me. It doesn't mean that you should do it. I mean, so they drink whiskey. Should you give the kid whiskey? No, but if that's all the, if that's the water that you have that to is, bathe in, that is, that then... Is. Well, you know, and... and, and I, I, you watch Huggies commercials, and it's, you see kitty butts. I mean, it's it's... This was a really, six, it's, I don't know. I don't know how old the girl was. She looked about six. It doesn't to need to be a naked baby, a child, doesn't need to be sexualized till you call it sexualized. Right. You know what I mean? So if it's like if I'm at my, you know, cousin's house and this or my friend and their kids in the kitchen sink, 
There's nothing sexual about that. You take a picture but, of it and then you point at it and say that it's child pornography and that's when it becomes child pornography. Well, I think is also the, the, like the, the publication of it. of it is another thing. Like I think that's, it's totally that's, that's okay right. to take pictures of your kids at home and they're in the bath or whatever. But when you have that, I mean, it's still on the lady's website. And honestly, I feel to have your naked body out there is is a huge decision to make. When you're a child, you cannot make that decision. And I do wonder how it will affect this little girl that, yes, we are now, people are going, they're looking at the photo, they're having this discussion over her naked body. Is it pornography? Is it not? And she's not at an age of consent to sign up for that. Right. What do you, do you feel the same way about, I mean, you've seen, like, Facebook, I feel like, right? You know, there's so many With babies, kids. yeah. I mean, babies and kids in general. Right. And I think Facebook does have if a they policy. Put, if they put that photo up on Facebook, it should be taken. I've gotten deleted 30 times off of Facebook for just cleavage shots. Wow. Like, you, if you're putting up naked pictures of your kids on Facebook, you probably shouldn't be. It's not sexualized to us, but to, chi- like, child molesters, it is. Sure. Right. Sure. And that kid did not, they do not know the repercussion of, ha- they don't even know what their naked bodies mean to the rest of the world yet. So they are not in a position to say that's okay with them or not. Right. Yeah. That's good. I mean, the Nevermind kid seemed to turn out all right. Nirvana's cover. Oh. You remember? You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Uh, do, do we know who he yeah. is? Yeah. Do you, you know, have do you, you know gone what? to his therapy <laughs> session? No, no. But it was... <laughs> It was, it was goes to him. Well, it was, yeah, it was like the 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary of the album's release, and I actually read an interview with him, and he's, of course, now... I mean, it's the the kid, if you don't know what I'm referring to, it's the, the child underwater in a pool that's chasing the dollar bill, totally naked, mm-hmm. right? Now the kids, that's it's 20, 25 years ago, so the kid's, what, 21, 26... You know, it seems very well adjusted. I think it's uh, <laughs> you know him well enough to know that he's well adjusted. I don't. You're right. He was he was you coherent no in an interview. <laughs> he was coherent. He wasn't drugged out of his yeah. mind. He, he wasn't was Kurt Cobain. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting too because uh, there was a, a Huffington Post uh, article about the napalm girl, which came up recently, the anniversary of this photo, which everybody has seen, I think, but I didn't know that that was what it was called, and she was. I think six when they took this mm-hmm. picture of her running out of this Vietnamese village yeah, right. with her skin burning and she was completely naked. Yeah. Um, and I, I went to a Guardian story talking with her and I mean the issues around that and how she it's it's kind of a beautiful story by the end but definitely her and, and obviously that this is more from a war torn yes and and talking about her like how do you feel being used like your this photo helped. You know, stop the war in the. Of course, it was already getting to be. You know, the end of the war. Sure. That would be the same if it would have happened at the beginning. It was a catalyst. Um, but it, it's kind of you know there. Are, the, the, this writer had, had compared this, uh, saying you know this this situation in these mountain in these mountaintop towns. Uh, you have no idea how bad it is, and people do need to see and be shocked by and appalled that that is what's happening to people's bathtub water and drinking water and and things like that. And so that's that stood out to me because I I mean I've heard of mountaintop removal mining, obvi- like you know, but yeah. I had no idea that that was really what it was causing. And if that's really what I, I, I really I felt like that photo could have gotten the same idea across if that kid had been in a bathing suit. Hmm. Yeah. And like it's just a little bathing suit in the tub. And then it's not child pornography. I mean, is it going to have the same emotional impact? Are we going to be sitting here discussing it? Probably not. 
you know, but that's one more reason why that image was chosen and why it's propagandistic and using that little girl in a propagandistic way. Yeah, it is. It's exploitative for sure. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and and you can exploit yourself as you know as an adult when an you adult. know understand right, the right. repercussions of it and take that on. Right. But you know, I mean, it's it's. I mean, not to now go off on a tangent, but so much of parenting is like making decisions for. This kid that that yeah. it's, it's you're not until you're <laughs> until you're what eighteen you're not legally even yourself you're like owned yeah and of. it and it happens a lot with politics I mean I remember when I was younger my uncle running for office and we were all out there trotting signs for the guy who was running with him as governor exactly. and it's like I grew up to hate this person you yeah, know it's well, like yeah. I would and there I am with a sign and I kind of have a little yeah. bit of an issue <laughs> with with children being used for a lot of activism and you know I've been I've, I've been a pro-choice ad, um, activist for a long time and, and I worked for NARAL Pro-Choice America mm-hmm. and everything when I was in college and did a lot of stuff and they're like you know these people are like bringing their little kids to or anti-choice rallies and things like that they're like holding up these little kids and they're like this woman wants to kill this child <laughs> yeah. you know and like I see these kids and they're they're just hungry and want to go to McDonald's like the little kids <laughs> like they're like daddy daddy and they're like four more hours out here of shoving you in people's faces and then we can eat and it's like really this is how you take care of the kids you want us all to have right but at the same time you know and I've been to plenty of pro-choice rallies where they have kids too but I and I just kind of feel like maybe you shouldn't be dragging your kids into these kind of political issues you know I had a I dated a guy once whose mom was in the La Leche League uh-huh. and she would take him to all of these rallies and breastfeed him at the rallies when he was like up to six seven years old and what? that like left a huge that scar has, on him I bet it did <laughs> no wonder he was dating me right <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, they do that in Europe, though. Yeah. They they bet, yeah. But, like, that's an old, that's six, when they six can remember seven. and they can when sit they there can, and tell here's you the detailed they, stories as an adult about they, their breastfeeding experience. Yeah, if they, if they can ask for it, it's too <laughs> late. Biddy, yeah. you're, you're, you're too old. Biddy, yeah, Biddy. Biddy. What was that? Little Britain. Little yeah. Britain, yeah. Bitty. Mom, Bitty. Yeah. You know, so the boob thing, like, you know, you're, you're, I mean, it's your kind of your niche. Um, the funny thing about boobs, <laughs> I don't, this is more of a comment than a question, is that everybody loves boobs. Everybody. Men love boobs. Women love boobs. Even gay men have a particular Demon fascination with boobs. boobs. Like, it's, what is it? It's very universal, boobs. Well, they, it's something we can all agree upon. They're, they're In a lot of ways, they're life. They feed us. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah that's true. And I think, too, it's Comfort. probably one of the, like, the sexual signals that stands out the most all the time. You know what I mean? Boobs are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're But isn't like, it, but I think that there's something beyond the, 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 I mean, you know, gay men aren't aren't attracted to women, right? But they love boobs. So I think that there is, of course, there's a sexual signal and from a lot of, from most straight men it is, but, but for women and for gay men and people that aren't particularly attracted to women, it's, it's, it's a comfort thing. There's something very... You know, pillowy, pillowy. Yeah. Like you kind of just you just like nestle and you can take a nap. Something nurturing. It's nurturing, right? 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 So it's it's like you know. It's, it's I think that's probably more like Vanessa's. Like it's like life, you know, like Mother Gaia and right. and right. and feeding the world and nurture and cuddling and right. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, com- it's, co- it's comfort. It's comfort zone. Right. So we, we've got to do love and hate because we have to wrap up. We're going to be okay. a little bit late. But uh, Josh, I'm going to let you start. My, my love and Besides hate. Besides boobs. You, say, you love boobs. <laughs> boobs. I love, yeah, boobs. Um, I want to love on Illegal Pete's um, starving musician program. And um, I meant to, I looked this up on my phone right, right quick before the show started. And it, they don't have as much information on there as I know is, is true and what they do. They're, on their website, you can see that they... Um, musicians that are coming through town can sign up and get free meals from Illegal Pete's, which is awesome. But they locally, within Denver, they fund um, albums. And they just did um, Ben Roy, who's a uh, local comedian that I enjoy. They produced his album, you know. So I just, you know, giving a love to a Colorado chain that is kicking money back to arts. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Sabina, did you bring a love or hate with you? Um, no, I'll just I'll, I'll just say, and I don't have the specifics on this, um, but I do like um, what Tui's is doing at the um, monthly. They have uh, an art event where painters come in, paint, and then auction off their works of art. This at is the Tui's end of off the night. Colfax, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it's a great way for um, local artists to make a little bit of extra money because the money goes back to the artists. They're usually starving artist types and need it. And I think it's really great bringing the community, the art community, together in a more cohesive way here. Sure. They also do, uh, like at Tui's, they do, I think on Sundays in the summer, a bring your own meat barbecue. <laughs> oh. They have a grill and you just... You just you, bring raw meat? Yeah, you bring. You can yes. go and cook on their grill on their patio. Hmm. Yeah. I did not know that. Julian, do you have a love or hate? Nada? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. I never. I can never come up with a love or hate. That's okay. I'm always like loving something. I was going to hate on uh, what Occupied Denver became. I'm kind of. I guess I would love on the banning the uh, camping in public property. Really? Wow, that's you a strong stance. It. it is. I'm. I yeah. We might have to do a show and and just do it on the pluses. Right. Yeah. That's my love. All right. <laughs> on wow. the hate for the camping people. <laughs> for the campers, um, I'm gonna give a little bit of love. Well, a lot of love actually to Metro State for. Um, Voting to basically uh, reduce tuition for undocumented immigrants uh, because the Colorado legislature, of course, failed once again to pass a bill uh, that would allow immigrants to attend uh, with meeting certain requirements to attend university at uh, in-state tuition prices. So um, hopefully uh, the legislature will wake up one day and do this uh, soon. But if not, maybe some other uh, universities and institutions of higher education can follow in metro states, uh, follow their lead. That is a great love. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's all the love and hate we have. So if you have something to say about today's topics or would like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Each week we'll pick our favorite messages and play them on the show. Sabina, Lee, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's great. Um, uh, We're looking forward to figuring out what your next big adventure is going to be and having you back in the studio sometime. Um, Our theme music is brought to you by the band Houses off their summer EP. You can subscribe to the Denver Diatribe podcast on iTunes and Google Listen and say hello to us on Facebook or Twitter at Denver Diatribe. For more information, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com. I'm Vanessa on behalf of my co-hosts Josh and Julian and the NFN crew. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 